think I'm going to talk about America today. I don't always do that on the 4th of July uh, weekend. I, I sometimes just brought a message from the Word. But I feel a, an urgency to speak about our country. And um, not only here, but knowing this will go out over the country, the whole country, via radio, uh, social media. And I want it to grow legs and run. Matter of fact, you know the Bible talks about the word of the Lord running swiftly? I want it to run swiftly. Uh, what does the Bible say about our country? I'm going to read one verse. And then I'm going to speak on America in the balance. And I got to just tell you the truth straight up. I got to shoot straight. I'm not here to tickle ears. Um, God called me to preach the word, not to tickle ears. I don't want to please flesh. I want to speak from the lens of scripture about our word, uh, country, from the word of God. And so I'm going to read one verse, Psalms 33, verse 12. It's so brief, we can read it together. Can we do it? Ready? One, two, three. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, God bless America. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I want to start out by saying I'm an American and I love America. It's the only nation I've ever known, and I'm thankful that that's true. It's the only nation I've ever known. I have visited many other nations, and every time I land back in America, I'm so glad I'm an American. I love America because of its greatness. It's great in territory. It's great in resources, in strength, in beauty, the fruited plains, and achievements. I love America because of its giving. America has shared its wealth, its scientific discoveries, and its medical accomplishments with the entire world. And America has sent more missionaries onto the mission field and given more money to missions than any nation in history. Thank God for that. I love America because of its gifts to me, what America has enabled and allowed me to do. Two of its greatest gifts for me, and I know it's true for you, is the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. Here we are today with the freedom to gather. We don't have to worry about soldiers walking up, walking in, uh, arresting us for gathering together in the name of the Lord or burning our building down or sending bulldozers to destroy it like they do in China and other places. No, we have the freedom to gather, and freedom is like oxygen to the soul. Thank God for freedom. This is Freedom Sunday. America is 246 years old. And thank God for the freedom it has bequeathed us. Speech, freedom of speech. I can get up here and preach the Bible. At least today I can. I can, I can preach on anything God leads me to preach on because I have freedom to, to preach and to speak and to say what I want to say. One man asked another, but wait a minute, isn't it true that both the Soviet and American constitutions guarantee freedom of speech? And the other man replied, yes, 
that the American Constitution also guarantees freedom after speech. And that's true as of today. I want to speak about our country on this 4th of July weekend because we come to a place that America, as it was founded, in my opinion, looking at the scriptures, is hanging in the balance. I'm going to say it again. America, as it was founded, is hanging in the balance. Somebody said, and I love this quote, a man who won't use his freedom to defend his freedom doesn't deserve his freedom. I don't want to be that man. So I want to speak up today and stand up for truth. And my prayer over this message is, like I said already, that it goes all over the country and God opens unusual doors for people in power to hear it. Because we're at a juncture. We're at a, no pun intended, a turning point in the history of America. I read of a groom who was terribly nervous on the eve of his wedding. A friend asked him, what's wrong? Have you lost your ring? He said, no, but I have lost my enthusiasm. Many Americans have lost their enthusiasm for our nation. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because they've either been not been taught about our founding or they've been wrongly taught about our founding. And because of that, they don't have enthusiasm for America. They don't care about defending America because they don't feel that America is any more worth defending. There are many, many people in our country right now that want to totally redo America as it was founded. And we need to be very aware that this is a genuine movement in high political places to reform and remake America after having torn it down. That is happening as I speak. Many of our elementary schools, high schools, and universities now teach students to hate America by misrepresenting its founding. Our universities are spewing out graduates that are Marxists, socialists, communists, American-hating, because that's what they've been brainwashed with in our highest and best universities. I'm just telling you what I know is true. I've read it. I've heard it. I've studied it. This is a fact. And because of loss of respect and love for America, many people don't want to fight for it anymore. They don't care about it anymore. So at this crucial juncture in our history, I want to point out four things that Scripture says will determine the future of America. You want to know the future of America? The Bible will tell you the future of America. First, America's future will be decided by her remembrance of God. The Bible says, Psalms 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that watch this forget God. All the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. I think that's literal. I think it's figurative. Have you noticed, the further we get away from God, the more hellish our nation is? To forget God is a very, very serious thing for any individual or for any nation. To forget God. A South American president once said, South America was founded by men seeking gold. But North America was founded by men seeking God. And that's true. Another man said, the Spaniards came here for gold. The French came here for gain. 
But the original colonists came here for God. I believe God has blessed this nation because in its early days, we sought to honor God. And I preface her early days. We sought to honor God. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock on December 21st, 1620, they knelt down upon the shore and thanked God for giving them a brand new country. Thank you, God, for this land. They thanked God for it. The worship of Jesus Christ was at the core center of every new settlement in our land. When the Continental Congress faced great problems and difficulties and they didn't know which way to turn, Benjamin Franklin, who was never a really strong believer at all, yet he had enough sense to call upon the members of Congress to fall upon their knees and pray. I wonder what would happen in a congressional setting right now, in a congressional hearing, if somebody stood up and said, may we all get on our knees and pray for God's mercy to fall. Would, would it happen? I tell you, no, it would not happen in our current Congress. It would not happen in the Senate we've got right now. It wouldn't take place. They would not bow because we have forgotten God. The founding fathers of the United States of America wrote their faith in God right into the Constitution. They stamped the words, in God we trust, on our coins. And they founded our great educational institutions on the Word of God. Do you know the first three American universities established on this continent were Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, and all of them were founded with the intent of training pastors and sending missionaries onto the mission field? That's the Ivy Leagues. That's why they were started. Because America, at its beginning, came here to be able to seek God in liberty and freedom out from under King George, out from under the tyranny that had been in England. They came here to find freedom to worship God. The reason America has stood, I believe, for 246 years since the signing of the Declaration of Independence is that God has been in our history from the start. God. God has. The God of the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible itself was at the very beginning. It's the roots of our nation. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. That's revisionist history. I can show you all of this abundantly in history books, historical records. Benjamin Franklin once again wrote these words. God surely was no idle spectator when this great nation was born in his name and with his grace. Yet these days, when you talk about America's Christian beginnings, people immediately respond by this. Hey, but wait a minute, you can't go there because we observe separation of church and state. Oh, that is a mantra the media loves. But let me tell you something. That phrase, separation of church and state, is nowhere to be found in the Constitution of the United States, nor in the Bill of Rights. It's not there. It's not there. But here's what you, what you will find in the First Amendment. The First Amendment says, quote, Congress will make no law respecting the establishment of religion, nor prohibiting, nor prohibiting, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It says nothing about you and me as Christians not getting involved in government. People tell me all the time, you ought not talk political. Well, here I don't much at all every once in a blue moon. 
But what we don't understand is a lot of things that are political are also spiritual issues. And you've got to talk about them. Just because something, an issue has been politicized doesn't mean it's still not at its core, at its root, a spiritual issue that needs to be addressed by the word of God. The government shall not get involved in the business of the church. That's what the First Amendment is about. Thomas Jefferson is the one that coined the phrase separation of church and state. He did it to assure the Danbury Baptist Church, a church in his day. They were nervous about the the government that was forming, that that government would take uh, excessive control of them. And so Jefferson coined the phrase separation of church and state to assure them that the government would not encroach on their church business. That's why it was there. Jefferson wrote, the First Amendment, that is the freedom of speech, keeps the government from running the church and it makes sure that Christian principles will always stay in government. Amen. Now, one time did our forefathers ever seek to exclude God from this great nation. They made every effort to include God in every document. Uh, Listen carefully to the words of a chief justice of the Supreme Court in 1954. Chief Justice Earl Warren wrote, I believe no one can read the history of our country without realizing the good book and the good spirit of the Savior have from the beginning been our guiding geniuses. Did you catch that? He continues, I believe the entire Bill of Rights came into being because of the knowledge our forefathers had of the Bible and their belief in it. I like to believe we're living today. This is Chief Warren continuing. I like to believe we're living today in the spirit of the Christian religion. I also like to believe that as long as we do so, watch this, everybody, he's prophesying and doesn't know it. As long as we do live in the spirit and the teaching of the Christian religion, no great harm can come to our country, end quote. 1954, what would happen if a Supreme Court justice today wrote those words? Oh my, it would be a scandal. Isn't that sad? If we reach back beyond the Constitutional Convention, beyond the Declaration of Independence, beyond the pilgrims coming to this part of the world, back over 500 years ago to the days of Christopher Columbus, we find him writing these words, quote, it was the Lord who put in my mind to sail from Spain. I could feel his hand upon me. There is no question that my inspiration to sail came from the Holy Ghost of God, end quote. Powerful stuff. Bring up Columbus in any university these days and you will be ballyhooed out of the room. But that's what he wrote. I felt led by God. The spirit of God was upon me. I could feel him guiding me to sail to the shores of America. Y'all are quiet today. I assume you're thinking, Are you with me? All right. Uh, And yet as we gather today, I'm going to tell you right now, America has forgotten God in almost every way I can imagine. And as a result, listen, great darkness has come upon us because we have forgotten God. 
great darkness has come upon us. As, as we sit here today in church, there is a great darkness on our land. It is in a condition and a place that I've never seen it. I don't mean to be a downer because I'm going to end this on a note of hope, but I've got to shoot straight with you that there are really dark forces moving across our country. They want to destroy it. They want to take away our freedoms. They want to take away our, our liberty. They want to take away the Constitution. They literally want to take America down to the dust and rebuild it in their own image. And that's why I preach this today, and I want it to go all over the country today, because if there's ever been an hour, we've got to stand up and fight. We've got to stand up and say something. We've got to stand up and do something. We cannot be silent. We cannot be still. We've got to do it now as the church. As the church. Oh, yeah. Because if the church doesn't do it, nobody's going to do it like the church. You say, well, Jeff, I've got a lot of problem with the history of America. Listen, who do you know that's perfect? Well, I don't know anybody that's perfect. Tell me those of you that are now married. Is your spouse and are you everything they thought you were? Are they everything you thought they were? Are you having to overlook some things to keep peace in that marriage? Come on, everybody. Everybody has faults and mistakes and regrets and failures. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, no. But when you throw God out and the Bible out, darkness swoops in because you leave a vacuum. And that's what's happened. Abraham Lincoln wrote these somber words more than 125 years ago. He said, we have forgotten God. Now, if he could only see America now. But Lincoln said, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined that all things were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us, end quote. Over 125 years ago. What would he think now? What would people from that day think now? Because I know this about Abraham Lincoln. He got up every day and went straight to the Bible and spent time in the Bible each and every day of his life. He was a man of the word. That's where so much of his genius oratory came from. The Bible. We have failed to remember the place and the blessing of Almighty God in our country. I'm talking about as a country. Not necessarily people in this room, but our country. We must not forget where we came from, from whence we have come. Those early pilgrims, we give this land to you, God. Every town they built, they dedicated it to God. The early writings of the early fathers and the early Christians filled with dedications of this land to God and to Christ. We were not Islamic. We were not Buddhist. We, we were not any strange or foreign religion. No, the founders believed the majority of them in Christ. And even those that didn't had been Christianized in the sense that they had a Judeo-Christian ethic. And that's where our constitution that has lasted 246 years came from. 
Amen. So America's future will depend on whether or not we remember God. There needs to be a turning to God in this land. There needs to be a looking up. There needs to be a crying out. There needs to be a prayer for mercy, a crying out for grace, a remembrance of God, a turning back to God, a turning back to his word. We need to grab that Bible once again and hug it. But a second deciding factor of the future of America is in our response to sin. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Godliness makes a nation great. Can everybody say that with me? Godliness makes a nation great. Well, that was four of you. Let's try everybody. Godliness makes a nation great. Did you catch that? Is he just whistling Dixie? Is he just saying cool religious things? That's out of the Proverbs. That's Solomon. Wisest man on earth. Godliness makes a nation great. But sin, he goes on, is a disgrace to any people. He's talking about national existence here. He's talking about nations. He said so. A nation. What makes a nation great? Godliness. What tears it down? Sin. Can't get any more clear than that. Here comes Abraham Lincoln again. Quote, the smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. But that is exactly what America has done. We've disregarded the fixed rules of order and right that heaven itself has ordained. Oh, yeah, and we're doing it. We're doing it on steroids these days. We've disregarded the fixed rules of order and right, God's moral rules. We've disregarded. So we're infected today with moral perversion. Can I tell the truth? Are you okay if I just tell the truth? You say, well, I want, I want, an up, I want a, a joyful message. Well, let me tell you where joy comes from. It comes from truth. When you hear truth and when you respond to truth and you get right with God, that's where the joy of the Lord comes from. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. But getting right with God precedes joy. And so I got to tell the truth. This is what America has done. We have, we have disregarded God's fixed rules of wrong and right. And so moral perversion of every kind imaginable has infected our land. We've even dedicated an entire month to celebrating what God calls sin. Think about that. And we call it pride. Proud of sin. And while the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade, and I'm so glad Roe v. Wade was overturned. Personally, I rejoiced. I wept. I shouted. I jumped. That was a huge, huge step in the right direction. But we know that blue states under liberal leadership have already declared themselves to be abortion sanctuaries. And so even though Roe v. Wade was overturned, and it should have been because it was never legally right, it was never legally sound. Forget any, any biblical reason. It was never legally sound or justified. But countless babies are still going to be aborted in this country in states that still embrace it. The truth is that sin destroys the very foundation of our country. Sin ruins everything. Sin destroys everything. Thank God for the Savior who died on the cross and spilled his blood to cover our sins. Thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because without that blood, sin would have destroyed us all. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? 
Oh, yes. Here's what the psalmist wrote. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? There's a certain helplessness when men disregard the word of God. And so we're seeing in our nation a disregard for his moral laws, his ethical laws, his financial laws. Our nation is in a debt load right now that is absolutely insurmountable. We are essentially bankrupt because we stupidly, foolishly, unwisely keep going into worse and worse debt. Uh, It's crazy. It's insane. But we're disregarding God's laws of finances. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. Following his word has collapsed. What can the righteous do? Scandals both religious and secular, rock our nation almost by the week. Lethal drugs like fentanyl flood our country, primarily through drug cartels, taking advantage of a totally unprotected southern border. And fentanyl alone is killing tens of thousands of Americans annually. I would venture to say that most of you in here have been touched somehow by the fentanyl crisis. Either you yourself or somebody you know, or someone you've heard about. I know it has me, and I've dealt with it by people that I know. Fentanyl, it's poison, it's lethal, yet it's coming across our border through drug cartels, and nobody is stopping it. Our public school system, all the way down to elementary school, has been invaded by textbooks and library books promoting homosexuality, transgenderism, and riddled with openly pornographic material, some of which I've seen and could not believe it was in a child's library. And when parents go before the school boards to protest, they are ignored, they are smirked at and sneered at and mocked by the school board. Let me tell you, God may be putting his hand on some of you to run for the school board and get in there with some Bible thinking And stop this flood tide of insanity that is attacking attacking our children's minds. In case you don't know it, there are people, there are forces, there are belief systems attacking our children with the intent of normalizing in their minds what is anything but normal. And it's happening all over the United States of America. That's why I say we have forsaken God and we're not dealing with the sin that has come in. No, sin has got to be answered. Sin has got to be addressed. Sin has got to be called out. And that's why I'm going to say it again. We've got to pray loud. We've got to speak out loud. We must vote. Vote principles and not personality. Vote morals and not money. We need to vote. When I vote, I don't vote for a personality. I vote for the principles. I try to get as close to biblical thinking as I can. Whosever policies are closest to the Bible, that's where I go. I don't care anything about who it is. I'm telling you, I would vote for Howdy Doody if he stood for the Bible. I would. It's principles. It's values. Biblical values. Biblical principles, biblical morals that must be voted in because this is happening in our land. We've heard that it's all is uh, necessary for evil to prevail, it's for good men to do nothing. 
And that's why I say we cannot any longer as a church sit idly by, as Christians sit idly by. I refuse to be intimidated by people judging me for what I believe. I will not be intimidated. Even this last week, I was called every name in the book on social media, and I I was called some names I didn't know existed. I think some new cuss words were made up just to come at me. But it was just fine with me because I don't care. I don't care what they think. I do care what God thinks, but I don't care what they think. No, I don't. I don't care. They don't care what I think. No, I love people, but the craziness has got to be addressed. And I have found that so often, if you just quote the Bible, it brings a silence and a hush when truth is clarified. Folks, listen, everything else is coming out of the closet. We might as well come out of the closet too. Come on, everybody. Come on. Well, Pastor Jeff, you're not being very politically correct. Really? Thank you. That is a compliment to me. Because political correctness, political, boy, I'm going way further than I thought I would today. But political correctness is designed to muzzle the righteous. That's what it is. So no, I'm not politically correct. I'm very impolitically correct. And let me tell you, so was Jesus. So were the prophets. So were the apostles. When I'm watching my nation sink, I can't just sit there anymore. And when I'm watching what's killing it and the cancers that are eating at it, it's got to be addressed. I don't want a doctor that brings me in and finds something and says, well, I can't offend him. So I'm not going to tell him that he's got this, that, or the other. I'll just let him go live with it. No, I want a doctor that'll tell me the truth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If we don't stand up and speak up and refuse to roll over and die and be quiet, if we don't do that, the nation is sinking as we speak. And that brings me to my last factor. The last decider of America's future is this one, how it treats God's people, how America treats God's people. Think about it. The Bible says 10 people would have spared the city of Sodom. 10 people. If 10 righteous had been in Sodom, it would have been spared from total destruction. Just 10, just 10 would have saved a whole city. You know what that tells me? How important the godly are to the life of any nation. I'm gonna tell you how important you are in this respect. You're a believer. You know the Lord of life. You hold to the Bible. Let me tell you how important you are. How a nation treats God's people is crucial to the future of that nation. It's a fact. You may not have political power, be famous, be a genius, or have great wealth, but you have great value to America simply because you're living a holy life. Notice what Jesus said to the people of his day that would soon witness the total destruction of Jerusalem, their homeland. Look what Jesus said to them a few years before it happened. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that, watch this, kills the prophets and stones all those God sends to her. Did you catch that? What's Jesus pointing out? Here's how you treated God's people. And the way you treated God's people is one of the key reasons you're being judged. He said, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not let me. 
And now your house is left to you desolate. Why? Because of how they treated God's people. That's what he said. I believe the presence of the righteous has year after year spared many American cities from destruction. I'm going to make that bold statement. I believe God's people in any city can play a key role in whether or not it goes down or, or remains. I do believe that because God's people pray. Uh, God's people belong to him. God's people are precious in his sight. He cares what happens. He hears their cries. And he will clearly, according to the Bible, spare a city if God's people stand up. If my people call by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people. But I bring this up in closing because I see in America, persecution is rising against Christians that take a stand on God's word. Coaches that kneel to pray before or after a game have been fired. Businesses like bakers that make wedding cakes have been sued, relentlessly harassed, and shut down for refusing to make cakes for same-sex marriages, which is their right. It's their business. It's their enterprise. It's not the courts. It's not the governments. But they've lost their job, lost their reputation, lost their income, lost their livelihood. Christians taking a stand for Christ on any national TV show, are mocked and ridiculed and ostracized for it. Christian teachers that refuse to address a child with pronouns contrary to their gender are fired. This is persecution. Persecution of Christians. Persecution of Christian biblical values. It's rising in America. And that's why we need to stand up right now. Speak up right now. Pray right now. Let our voices be heard right now. Don't just say, oh, well, well, you slap that cheek, slap this one too. No, that's a different uh, uh, issue altogether. No, all through the Bible, Christians and the righteous stood up and spoke up and decried the sins of their nation and played an instrumental part in the nation being spared. A man once bought a huge grandfather clock for his living room. He went to bed that night excited about hearing the chimes that were so beautiful as they sounded off every hour. But several nights later, something went wrong with that clock. And as the hour struck midnight, he heard the chimes hitting 10, 11, 12, and then it hit a 13th chime. He jumped up and shouted to his wife, get up, it's later than it's ever been. And I want to tell you, folks, that's the way I feel about America. Get up. It's later than it's ever been. You hear me? Wake up. It's later than it's ever been. I'm telling you before God, listen, I hate it. I love this country. I, I, I am vexed every day by what I see in the news. But I'm going to tell you something. Before God, I know I'm right. Wake up. It's later than it's ever been. I want us to stand up together, can we? Now, I know that was a strong word, a heavy word. I didn't have any, you know, I know it was. I know it was.
But our nation is going to turn on those things. How it treats the righteous. How it responds to sin. Whether or not it remembers God. Those are the things nations turn on. So we lift our hands to the Lord. Jesus, today, we need you. Our country needs you. Our nation needs you. Lord, we grievously sinned, grievously walked away in more ways than we can count. And we have forgotten God rejected God, kicked him out of our schools. Darkness rushed in, kicked him out of the public square, and darkness has rushed in. Kicked him out of the political discourse, and darkness has rushed in. We need your blessing, Lord. We need your hand upon us on this 246th birthday of America. We love this country, the land of the free, where we have freedoms today that no other nation has. So, Lord, we pray today for your help. We pray for your hand. We pray that you will help us to be bold. Can everybody pray with me and just say, Lord, help me to not be ashamed of you or of your word or of your teachings. But help me to be a light and salt in this culture. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.